Welcome to episode 30 of the Positively Pro Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Fountas, and once again with me is... Eric Sanchez. Eric's back. Eric, how's it going? Pretty good, pretty good. Good. It's a couple weeks since it's been a show in general, a few weeks since you've been on, just timing and stuff, it didn't work out. Uh, but we got a fun show this week. In light of the news of WWE bringing back the Starcade. I guess it's not going to be a pay-per-view, just like a live event. And it's, yeah, like a Saturday night. Yeah, it's yet to be named if it's going to be a pay-per-view or a WWE Network exclusive or not. But uh, they're making it into a big event. They've got a bunch of big matches and stuff like that. So it's pretty cool because it's also in, it's either in Virginia or North Carolina or South Carolina. I think it's mm-hmm. in South Carolina or North Carolina. Look it up for me while I'm talking here. <laughs> Where Starcade is this year. That's Anyway, the show this week is going to be about uh, Starcade, the WCW pay-per-view, and some of our favorite matches. And it, it was a kind of a fun exercise for both of us to go back and watch some of these matches because we weren't huge fans of them really growing up, of WCW or NWA, so we'll talk a lot more about that. We got a lot of good feedback on Twitter from some of our listeners, and even I have an audio question from Sammy Castle, which we will pe- play, or not a question, audio comment, which we'll play in a little bit. You can follow us on Twitter, interact on Twitter at PPW Podcast. PPWpodcast at gmail.com if you want to send in an audio question or comment like Sammy did this week. Uh, also, you can support us by heading to whatamaneuver.net, picking up the I Never Complain Online t-shirt for the Positively Pro Wrestling Podcast. And before we get into Starcade, today's Tuesday, the 26th of September. Well, yes. I got the information for the Starcade. Okay, where is Starcade this year? Oh, I'm sorry. So you <laughs> don't a, have it. No, no, I didn't hear what you said, but no, I do have it. Okay. Uh, Greensboro, North Carolina. Okay. At the Greensboro Coliseum Complex, where a lot of the older ones were. Okay, cool. cool. So makes, it's kind of cool. I'm like, okay, I just remember seeing that name because I watched the old ones. Well, you remember Green, the town of Greensboro. No, I remember the Coliseum Complex. They didn't have, no, the original Starcade wasn't at the Greensboro Coliseum Complex. The original ones? Mm-hmm. Where was the original Starcade? I'm pretty sure that's where it was. No, it, that building's torn down now. Just, I'm going to keep talking. You Google Starcade. we got to be much more prepared for this. We were so out of whack for this as not being in our comfort zone because I'm such a <laughs> WWF fan growing up. Like, I could tell you, like, where was WrestleMania 4? Trump Plaza. Where was WrestleMania 7? LA Coliseum. I just snap off my head. But Starcade, one of the most famous pay-per-views of all time. I have no idea. Where was it? Greensboro Coliseum. Okay. Well, 1983. All right. Well, I guess you're right. Whatever. Who cares? Anyway. <laughs> the... Yeah, we're, I just accidentally hit stop there. So we're betting a thousand so far. Anyway, the No Mercy pay per view happened, and Cesaro's teeth got smashed up into his gums, which was brutal. They had the Brock Lesnar Braun Strowman match, which was okay. And they had the Cena Roman Reigns match, also just okay. And overall, I thought that pay per view, No Mercy, that has started off strong, kind of faded off a little bit at the end. Mm-hmm. But. I thought the women's match wasn't bad. I saw people kind of crapping at it. For five of them out there, I thought they did a pretty good job of pacing and everything, too. Yeah, I liked, overall, I liked the women's match, and I liked the tag team match. Yeah, the tag team match with Cesaro and Sheamus versus uh, Rollins and Ambrose was easily the match of the night. Mm -hmm. Then Raw happened last night. I kind of watched a little bit here and there. I didn't watch the whole thing. I saw, it was interesting how, this was the only time ever that 205 Live, the Cruiserweights, kind of was the closing segment of the show, and it was Enzo Amore coming out. Did you see it? No. Okay, I was so, watching uh, Starcade. <laughs> <laughs> you, you probably better wrestling you watched. So Enzo Amore came out, for those who saw it and for you who didn't, basically cut a promo talking about the whole Cruiserweight division sucks and all that, and he's the you know reason for their ratings and T-shirt sales and all that other crap. Then eventually Neville comes out and beats the hell out of him. Then Braun, or no, Braun Strowman comes out, I'm sorry, beats the hell out of him. And then, out of Enzo? Yes. 
And then the cruiserweights come on after the show and beat the hell out of Enzo. Enzo's turning into an awesome heel, it sounds like, because he's super obnoxious. Yeah. What's interesting about all this is people are, like, bitching online about, oh, Enzo, this is the waste of time. They're burying the cruiserweight division. This is the only time I've ever, I've ever cared about the cruiserweight division. I think division. you're in the same boat with a lot of people. Yeah. Myself included. I just rarely watch 205 Live, but past couple weeks I'll watch it. Yeah, I mean, there's guys I like. Like, I like TJ Perkins. I like uh, Jack Gallagher. I like Neville. But mm-hmm. everyone else is, like, Rich Swan. They're all kind of just in there. It's like a big blob of guys, and Enzo gives them personality yeah. and someone to root against. And what's interesting is when Big Cass comes back, he could potentially come back as a huge good guy to beat the hell out of Enzo again like he was doing. Like, yeah, finally Cass is back, Yeah, which could be interesting. Not sure where they're going to go with Roman Reigns and the Shield potential reunion maybe against uh, Ms. Taraj. Yeah, Ms. Taraj. We'll see where that goes. It seems like uh, they're going to go with Mickey James versus Alexa Bliss for the next pay-per-view. That'll be good. Yeah, did you you didn't see Raw right there? So no, uh, but I like Mickey. <laughs> so Mickey James came out and cut a pretty good promo. They had a really good segment with her and Alexa together, and Alexa, there's a she's it's, it's, it's gonna be a gift from now on of a, a facial reaction Alexa did. Mickey James is going off on a promo saying, you know, I was doing all this before you were in a training bra, and then she goes, it looks like you're still or something like it's still working out for you, and like her like Alexa did like a, like a one of her facial movements and yeah. looked down at her, her shirt. It was it was really funny. Uh, Mickey James hit, ends up smacking her, hits her with a Mick kick, and I think that should be a good program, at least for the next month until they get to the Survivor Series, when they may or may not do the MMA Four Horsewomen versus the WWE Four Horsewomen. We'll see where that goes. So that's our quick summary of WWE for the past couple of weeks. You got anything else to talk about or no? No, no, I don't. Okay, so Starcade. When was the first time you can remember watching a Starcade? pay-per-view or or watching the television around it because for me i didn't realize starcade was a big deal probably until 96 when they did hogan versus piper because before then i think i've talked about this before i thought super brawl because they were numbered mm-hmm. was like the wrestlemania version for wcw yeah so what was your first like realizing oh starcade's a, a big deal show um i would say around 92 93 because I would get magazines and there would be the hype up with that. And I would watch the Saturday night shows. But I never really watched or paid for a pay-per-view until 97. The WCW, that is? Yeah. Yeah, so 97, we'll, we'll get to, was the biggest hyped-up Starcade I can think of. And as far as my fandom, I know other people said there's big But I remember ones. Sting, Vader, Flair, Vader. Like, I remember that, lo- that little Remember era. the build. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I didn't. I just didn't know what a big deal Starcade was. Uh, I didn't know till much later the whole thing with uh, WWE threatening to pull WrestleMania 4 from the cable companies if they carried Starcade because it was the same night as the Survivor Series. Mm-hmm. And for those who don't know that story, so Starcade started in 83, and then around 87, yeah, it was 87, WWE had another pay-per-view coming out called the Survivor Series, but the first Survivor Series on Thanksgiving night. And Starcade was going to be Thanksgiving afternoon. So the cable company's like, oh, this is great. People are going to order part Starcade in the right. afternoon. Then they're going to eat dinner. And then they're going to watch Survivor Series. This is great. So Vince goes to the cable companies. No, I don't want that. Unless you, if you carry Starcade, you will not get WrestleMania 4. So all but like a handful of cable companies, you know, said, sorry, WCW, we need that WrestleMania buys. Mm-hmm. And what's funny is the cable companies that did stay with WCW still got WrestleMania anyway. So it's kind of an empty threat. Yeah. And that was kind of the first. I guess, territory, WWF wars type of thing that, that happened. Did you watch any of, when in our look back here, of the first Starcade, Starcade 83? Yeah, I watched 83 almost in its entirety. Some matches Faster, I didn't yeah. really, I don't know, pay that much attention to. Mm-hmm. And then some matches I just watched it from beginning to end. So some of the ones that I I felt like were good highlight matches to watch. Yeah. Um, Carlos Colon versus Abdullah the Butcher. Okay. Yeah. So watch that one. No, but. I did. But what's funny is, so Sammy, and by the way, Sammy, well, we're going to get to his audio clip here in a little bit. He talks about how that that being like one a hidden gem of a match, and two, like just some of the many stars that were on this show. Yeah, I really liked that match because I'm like, okay, I was not really familiar with Carlos Clone or Abdullah the Butcher outside of reading about them, like knowing about them that way, but I never really watched a full match with them. So watching the match, like it's pretty good. Like Carlos Colon is obviously the baby face and a butcher. Mm-hmm. Has a little um, 
screwdriver in his pants, pulls it out so the ref doesn't see it, jabs it in Cologne's throat and all that kind of stuff, and obviously Butcher's going to bleed. But the funny thing, when I watch Butcher bleed, all I can think about is that time when Hannibal sued, uh, he's a Canadian wrestler, he sued Abdullah the Butcher for making each other bleed and they're sharing blood and he got uh, hepatitis C from Abdullah <laughs> the Butcher. And then the courts went on for years, a couple of years, whatever, and it ruled in Hannibal's favor that Abdullah Butcher does have hep C. He's had it for a long time. And all the other wrestlers who wrestled him are getting tested, you know, oh, because God. they don't want to have hep C. So that's all I'm thinking about. That's horrible. Cologne is bleeding. Butcher's bleeding. And Does that no add your entertainment value of the match yeah, a little bit? I, I cringed a lot more knowing that they're, like, swapping blood. Because there's a part where Cologne is, like, biting on Abdullah's uh, top of his head uh-huh. where he's already bleeding. <laughs> so he comes away with his mouth just full of blood. I'm like, oh, my God, you have hep C. <laughs> but overall, I thought the match was good. It was good. I know ring psychology and entertainment. Sure. I thought it was fun. What else you got from Stark KD3? Because um, there's obviously the, the dog collar match with yeah. Piper and Valentine. Yeah, I really liked that match. I think we talked about we that did. before. We did. We talked about it before. And then there was the Jack and Jerry Briscoe brothers. And I think we talked about earlier today about some of the older wrestlers just look like they're in their 40s and 50s, like on these old pay-per-views, uh-huh. WCW pay-per-views. Um, the Briscoe brothers are going against Jay Youngblood and Ricky Steamboat. I thought that match was really good for yep. the tag team titles. I've heard of Jay Youngblood, but when I see pictures of them, they just look old-timey, like black and white, and they just look, I don't know, just like, eh, I'm not going to be that into it. But watching it, it was a good match. And then the title match I thought was really good, Harley Race and Ric Flair in a cage match for the championship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that to me is a match that is kind of a little too slow-paced for me. And the finish, I'm sure at the time, and this is something I noticed a lot in these, in these Starcade shows, was like it's like they're kind of weak pins almost out of nowhere like they don't hit him with like their finisher for the win almost that's and, kind of what i missed today like mm-hmm. if you could get a pin like out of nowhere whether it's a roll up or just a crossbody off the top rope and you get the pin that's more exciting than seeing the same three or four setups to a finisher and then getting the finisher mm-hmm. but i thought it was cool yeah it in the show it was, it was weird how it came off the top and then it was almost i don't know looked like a half ass hurricane rana yeah. Body, I don't know what it was, but he just fell on. <laughs> what did you think about that WCW cage, the the chain link? Because Sammy mentions it in his audio clip coming up here, how he feels like that's a real cage, and WWE had kind of like the gimmick cage, like this blue cage I have over here. You know, what do you think of it? Because I have my thoughts on that cage, um, WCW's cage. I thought it was just, I don't know, I don't. It just looked like it was poorly put together. And it looks super short. Like, they're almost as tall as it. Yeah. It seemed like it's probably like a nine-foot cage, maybe eight-and-a-half-foot cage. Yeah. To me, that just seems kind of weird. Like, oh, they could just climb over right away. But they don't win by climbing out. You just you pin or submit somebody. Yeah. And then they still do rope breaks and that kind of stuff back then mm-hmm. in, inside the cage. Which is weird, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it made for a good match. Yeah. Uh, someone on Twitter mentioned this. Stark 84, I'm sorry. Uh at Shimmer Sky Rick, so Shimmer Sky R I K. He was he mentioned something like you know Star Kid eighty four was awful, especially with drunk Gordon Soli, and I was like, what is he talking about? You know? Yeah. And then I watched him like, oh man, you aren't kidding, Gordon Soli. He's just like slurring over his words. Well, see, it, I didn't watch it. <laughs> oh, it's pretty it's pretty hilarious. And there's one good match. It's Tully versus Ricky Steamboat. And that's like the only redeeming match, I guess, in the whole show. Uh-huh. The main event was this one was the million dollar match with Ric Flair and Dusty Rhodes. But Gordon Sully is definitely feeling good, I'd say, yeah. for that. One of the things I noticed listening to Sully, like, I always thought Sully was almost like a Jim Ross. He had a country ask- a- accent, mm-hmm. but he doesn't. Just a no. normal old guy talking. But every time somebody does a suplex, he calls it a souple. I'm like, souple? How many times are you going to say that? Because I think he's dumb. So I look it up, and that's actually the real term, is souple. <laughs> is it? Yeah, but since, I don't know, the 80s or 80s, 90s, whatever, other people just call it a suplex. Souple. Yeah. <laughs> so let's let's bring back, we're going to bring back souple, everybody. Everybody get ready. We're going to bring back souple. So Rick did like a crossbody souple. <laughs> <laughs> No, he did. It wasn't a suplex. It was a, a like cross body suplex is a suplex. I know. And I was just trying to get suplex. Right, we'll get it in there later. All right. Uh, so Lance Roseland, he's been in the show a long time ago for our a WrestleMania memories thing. He he shouted out a few of his memories, and you can follow him on Twitter at Lance Roz twenty five. And one of the ones he brought up to me 
was one that I wanted to watch. Obviously, this is something that multiple people brought up, was the Magnum TA versus Tully Blanchard quit, I Quit match from 85. That's probably one of my favorites. Yeah? Yeah. So go ahead and talk about your stuff with it, because I always talk. So you, you watched this one recently, because I watched this one actually last week. So I mean, I don't to, really know how much to say. I mean, just like, Magnum just TA was just super over, and I didn't... I read about him. I read about his car accident in a magazine back when it happened back in the day. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really realize what Magnum T was, Magnum TA was all about. But him coming out, there's even parts that sometimes he looks like Hogan. Like, it's just weird. Mm-hmm. So anyways, him and Tully Blanchard, and he comes out with Baby Doll. I knew who Baby Doll was, but I didn't know she was with Blanchard. Just everything I was confused yeah, about. Yeah, like, the storyline's a little tough when you weren't watching it. You yeah, know, it. so just the match itself was just really tough. I thought it was crisp. Like, they're both... It was a good back and forth, but my favorite part was at the end when uh, Tully Blanchard breaks a wooden chair and climbs on top of uh, Magnum TA, who's on his back, and just, there's like this struggle to get this... um, Yeah, the the piece of broken wood. The piece of broken wood into Magnum TA's face, so it's Mm -hmm. like this fight to go back and forth, and ultimately uh, Tully Blanchard gets it in the forehead. And he starts bleeding, and and uh, it was an I quit match, right? Yeah, yeah. That's so, the, that was like the definitive I quit match. Is yeah. what people so call he's it. like, yes, yes. <laughs> That's Tully. He's screaming yes. So uh-huh. he won. So, but he didn't say I quit. So maybe he didn't, or did he say I quit? I don't, I don't know. He didn't say I quit. He just said yes. Another one that Lance brought up that I wanted to watch, and I was like, yeah, this will probably just okay. Was Dusty Rhodes versus Lex Luger in a steel cage 1987 mm-hmm. U.S. title match. Lex Luger's the heel here. He's got Harley Race as his manager outside. And this match is, like, not an amazing tactical order, but the crowd loves it. Like, they're going apeshit for it. And the finish, like, I was so confused. So Dusty, had guess, had some type of manager on the outside, but I didn't know who he was. Harley Race hits him with a chair for some reason, then tries to climb in the cage. Something Weaver, because they kept calling Dusty's uh, sleeper the Weaver lock. Maybe. Maybe he taught him it or something. Yeah. But anyway, Dusty ends up winning this match, winning the U.S. title, and the crowd just goes insane. And I think this goes back to something I talked about last week when I said underrated wrestlers or wrestlers that got far, that or wrestlers everybody hates or whatever. I love Lex Luger. And, like, he can go. Like, if he's with the right guy, he can yeah. have a damn entertaining match. He's got a good look and, you know, good good selling and all that stuff, too. But I thought this match was really fun with the Dusty Rhodes versus Lex Luger in a steel cage. Yeah. Star Kid 87. Check yeah, it I out. watched it on the treadmill today. It was pretty good. That I was from it. Chicago, I think, too. The Chi- yeah. Chi-Town Heat. Right. It was a UIC Pavilion. Yeah. Uh, another one I have here from, uh, let's see, old school. Oh, Mike Rotunda versus Rick. This is versus Rick Steiner for the TV title. This is a match that unless someone told me to watch, and this was a uh, Greens from Allentown podcast, submitted this one to us, I never, ever, it would have been one I've skipped over. I'm like, I'm watching IRS versus one of the Steiner <laughs> brothers. Get the hell out of here. Right. But first off, they're both like the gimmicks, so they're both real amateur wrestlers. And the match itself, like, I'm like, this isn't a great match, but everyone in the crowd is losing their minds for everything they do. Yeah. And then the finish is so screwy because they're like, oh, it's a time limit. But another ref says, no, it's not a time limit. Then they keep going. And then Rick Steiner wins the TV title. And the place goes freaking bananas. Like, I couldn't believe how nuts everybody <laughs> went. Like, this is Rick Steiner and IRS. Like, why is everyone going so nuts? But that's another thing we talked about. Like, we were texting back and forth. How into every single match with these Starcades the crowd was in from eighty-three until eighty-three till until ninety-three before Hogan gets there. Yeah, like even ninety-three. So for ten years, people were like losing their shit for all these matches. So like, if you think, if nobody's really familiar with this stuff, and you're and you just think like all the big pops you see, say Stone Cold Steve Austin, Hulk Hogan, those big pops, it was almost like that for almost every match. Like, yeah, there was always a star in the match. Like there were stars. Say from 1985, uh, Starcade. Sam Houston, I never even heard of him. Maybe I did, but I never really looked too, too much into him. Sam Houston got was just huge pops. Um, Magnum TA, Rock and Roll Express. I mean, just almost everybody. Yeah, just like the, to us, they're like, oh, these are just guys that we've yeah. you know seen in highlight packages. But these were like their heroes, and it's just crazy that. Every like you said, everyone is getting like main event style pops, and the crowd just wants their guy to win so bad, and they're so mad the the bad guys and love the good guys so much. It's just right. crazy to me. Uh, before we hop a little bit further, we're gonna skip a couple of them because I think Starcade like eighty nine, ninety didn't have any great great stuff. At least for me, uh, do you have any 
other stuff you want to talk about from the, the 80s era of Starcade? Did you have any other matches? Um, well, from 85, I've got Crusher Khrushchev. Khrushchev, whatever his name is, versus Sam Houston. I thought it was a really good match. Sounds like you like 85 Starcade, huh? It sounds like. Well, I'm just going, I just yeah, named yeah, names yeah. off of what yeah. I was looking at already. Uh, the Andersons, Oli and Arn mm-hmm. versus Billy Jack Haynes, which I did like in WWF. Okay. Remember him? Yep. Oklahoma, and he had like lime green, but Billy Jack Haynes and Wahoo McDaniel. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this is a really good match. Too. Yeah. <laughs> um, I probably skipped others, which I did skip out of this talk because I only got four here. Uh, Tully versus Magnum in the Cage, I quit U.S. title match. And Nikita and Ivan Kola versus the Rock and Roll Express. I thought it was a really good match. Yeah, the Rock and Roll Express, I, I still don't, to this day, don't get how they were so crazy over. Mm-hmm. Probably because I that was like they are trapped in the 80s time frame. Even now, like when yeah. they got to the Hall of Fame. Which, side which note, makes sense. Go ahead. The 2017, like the po- not the poster, but just like the listing of it, lists that the Rock and Roll Express and Ricky Steamboat are going to be part of Slamboree this year. Which made me think that maybe this... You mean Starcade? What did I say? Slamboree. Yeah, Starcade. <laughs> this is going to be part of Starcade. I'm like, I don't even know if this whole this whole match card is even real now. Because <laughs> at the bottom, you know, it says Rock and Roll Express. Maybe they're getting like a... Is like having a, fun with it? No, maybe they're getting like a award or something. Or they will be like a special ref or maybe ring announcer. Maybe they have a match. <laughs> Ricky Steamboat could probably have a match. Well, I the see. Rock and Roll Express had a match last, uh, last December. Did they? <laughs> well, I'm sure they still have matches, but I mean televised. I thought they looked okay. All right. Well, good for them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you watch any of the Battle Bowls from 91 and 92? No. You know what Battle Bowl is? Uh, lottery? No. It's really goofy. But as a kid, if I saw this, I'd be like, this is amazing. So the basic concept of Battle Bowl is the entire roster is in a lethal lottery. Just think of the Royal Rumble number yeah. pick. And at the start of the show, this is at least at Battle Bowl 91, Starcade. They have everyone on the, the stage, the front stage, the entire roster. And they randomly pick... Two, na- two, two names, and then they're a tag team. team. And then the next, they face the next two, and they team up. And the winner of that tag team match advances to the Battle Bowl match. So you kind of get, like, crazy, you know, Pair teams ups. and stuff like yeah. that. I'm sure it was rigged because the first match is, <laughs> is, is the Freebirds on opposite teams yeah. and stuff like that, too. So, I'm sure it was rigged. <laughs> yeah, but at the time, like, this is something, like, as a kid, I would have loved like, Oh, I would like fantasy book in my head, like oh, for with sure. this guy and that guy and yeah. this guy and that guy. But then the Battle Bowl match is a double ring, which WWE is obsessed with those two rings. I don't get it. Even World War Three, the three ring, and I think the winner got a title shot. I'm not sure if that was the stipulation, but mm-hmm. Sting ended up winning the first one by eliminating Lex Luger. And the last like eight or nine minutes are pretty exciting with those two. Um, it ends eventually leads to a Luger Sting title match at Super Bowl that year. Which one was Starcade Battle Bowl? Was that ninety one? Ninety one. I skipped over that one because it just seemed like it was going to be way too long and it's going to be kind of like the same idea. It is. It. Yeah. In 92, so they I do a Battle Bowl again. They do the same. They do it back-to-back years, and then they kind of abandon it because it was goofy. Okay. Uh, and then we go into the last of the the last gasp of the WCW NWA golden era, Starcade 93, main event, Sting versus Vader. Sting's career is on the – or Sting versus Vader. Sorry, Ric Flair versus Vader. Yeah. Ric Flair's career is on the line in this match, and Vader is built up as like a crazy monster heel destroying everybody. He was. This is so <laughs> funny to watch now because they do. Not only is the match pretty good, the match is actually pretty great. the The build up throughout the show is hilarious. Vader and Harley Race show up early. Yeah, like oh, here's footage of them showing up, and then he's like doing a stretchy band, right? But you think they'd show up in like a limo? No, they have like an old like beat up Buick. Right. They pull up in. Vader and rolls it, out in his uh, yeah gold gym. It is right, and he's wearing his Vader mask in the car, which yeah. means is Vader wear this mask everywhere he goes. And then he's warming up in the ring, and then Mean Gene Okerlund. This is his first Starcade. Is at Ric Flair's house as Ric Flair is saying bye to his family, and Ric Flair is taking a limo ride with limo ride like with his goodbye Jean. forever. Yeah, and like Ric Flair's <laughs> wife at the time, Beth is there. You see Ashley, little Ashley, Charlotte Flair yeah. there, Reed and um, David Flair are yeah. all there in, in there. And he's giving him hugs, and it's just hilarious because like Ric Flair is trying to have like a real moment with his family, and Gene's like. All right, Rick, I'll see you outside. Let's say bye to your family. <laughs> and then, like, they're waiting at the door. Rick Jean's at the door, and, like, Flair's trying to say bye to his life. He's like, we got to go, Rick. Let's go. <laughs> Just hilarious. And then later it shows them in the car and the limousine talking, and Gene's like, you know, Rick, how are you? And how are you feeling? He's like, oh, Gene, you know, 
I, I knew what I was getting into in this, but but I got to take Vader out. I got to do it. And I got to do it. And then the rest of the Star K ninety three show is not great, but this mm-hmm. main event. The crowd just wants it to happen so bad for Flair to win. I think it was almost so on bad. par with the retirement angle, like much, much later on against Shawn Michaels. Like uh-huh. he had to win the match, right? But he did win the match here, yeah, ninety three. <laughs> and he wasn't sixty years old almost, or whatever he was in yeah. two thousand eight when he faced Michaels at WrestleMania twenty four. But this match too is Vader just beating the hell out of Flair. Stiffs him a few times, Flair ends up with a busted up mouth. And I like the, I don't know, I just like the dynamic of the big, strong monster against the, like, against the guy who can't hurt him. Like, you yeah. can chop him, you can punch him, but Vader doesn't really go down. And he is beating the crap out of Flair for mm-hmm. at least the first 15 minutes, because I remember right around, when they would do time limits, they would say, 15 minutes expire, 15 minutes left. Yeah. So right around that time... Flair just has this monster comeback. Like, he just snaps and just starts going off on Vader. Yeah, and I also liked the teases of key, almost getting the figure four on. Like, throughout, he never yeah, quite yeah. gets it, but it just, like, the crust, like, oh, here he goes, he's going to win, he's going to win. And then, no, nope, I wish they Vader. had better chairs, but. What do you mean, better chairs? Well, they had, like, those old school chairs and yeah. they unfold. Right, right. So, those aren't exactly good to hit people with. <laughs> right. <laughs> And uh, Harley Race does, like, a falling headbutt on Vader. Yeah. And you think that's the finish, but it's not quite, because Flair goes for the figure four again, and he goes for an Irish whip. Vader does, like, a, what Nia Jax does now, basically runs into him and smacks his hands around Flair's head. Mm-hmm. And then Flair does a super bad roll-up for the win, but the crowd goes apeshit when Flair But wins. I think that's so believable, because you get this big guy, and mm-hmm. you kind of get behind him, like the old school school trick where yep. you kind of kneel on your hands and knees and push someone over. Uh-huh. So he kind of had to do that to get him to roll up. Mm-hmm. So to me, that's believable. Yeah. Because there's no way you're going to make that guy tap out. There's sure. no way you're going to pick him up and slam him. So you can't, that's the best thing you can do. Yeah. <laughs> Tire him out and try to roll him up. The only thing that was a little awkward was Flair pretty much leaves right away. Uh-huh. Into the back. Did you watch the post-match stuff? Yeah. So they shoot confetti off. There's fireworks and flare. Instead of celebrating with the fans, just goes in the back. I'm assuming so they could have done the thing with his family. Yeah. They go to Vader's locker room, and he's beaten. He's like, this, I want it back! <laughs> Throwing shit, <laughs> trash in the locker room. It was hilarious. <laughs> then they go to Ric Flair, and he's crying with his family. Ric Flair cries more than yeah. Sasha Banks. And he's crying, and he's crying, and he's crying. And then he does kind of like a curtain call to the crowd, because the crowd's all there waiting for him to come back. It's yeah. just a great story. From the beginning of the show to the end of that show, Star K-93. I thought what Ricky Steamboat said to him was just kind of weird. I, I oh, got to rewatch right, yeah. it. Something about how so for we were... con- So for context, guys, so when they're in the back locker room, Sting and Steamboat come back to congratulate Rick Flair. Yeah, so I mean, there's ahead. other wrestlers that I don't know who they are, but they were back there kind of congratulating him, shaking his hand, you know, mm-hmm. good job, champ, and all that kind of stuff. But I don't know, Steamboat says something about, you know, all the things we didn't do or we've been through. I don't you got to rewatch it. I don't remember what he said, but it was just awkward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. Sorry. It, it, no, and it was also awkward because those guys were such rivals, and then Sting was such a rival. It's like, no, you wouldn't be shaking his hand. Yeah, but it didn't matter in that moment because it was such a good, feel-good moment for Ric Flair and, and for the company. It was just like I said, that show itself not amazing, but the match itself is great. WWE released uh, the Essential Starcade Collection a few years back. Mm-hmm. And that was voted the number one match in Starcade history. Was Sting Some of the Vader. matches. Or, I, I keep saying Sting. Ric Flair versus Vader. <laughs> the Sting and Vader did fight, but not there. They did. Not that year. Um, so this one I did watch from the beginning. And there's so many good, I guess, potential matches. And even when they kind of start off, I'm like, okay, I'm going to be into this. But then they just kind of fall flat. And the finishes are just blah. Mm-hmm. I mean, for your, one of your biggest pay-per-views, you would think you'd put a, put together a better match. Like, there was... Steven Regal against Steamboat, I thought it was going to be a good match. It just ended it, and time expired. So yeah. that's not really a good finish. No. So I'm like, okay, that's not good. So then there was Steve Austin. Well, hold on. Let me ask you this. Yeah. With the time limit draw, if they want to keep both guys looking good, would you prefer a time limit draw or like a DQ or a count out? Because that's the other alternative, usually, if you want to make them both keep looking good. When, okay, I was totally fine with the time limit draw, but then there's other matches throughout where the finish just does, there isn't really a, really a finish. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, if you're booking the whole show, maybe just have one. Instead of multiple. Finish, okay, right? okay. I see what you're saying. This is more hindsight stuff. I wasn't really pleased with the time. I'm like, okay, you know, whatever, that's fine. But then as I saw like the, the tendency or the, the trend of just bad finishes, I'm like, this whole thing sucks. <laughs> yeah. Um, Steve Austin against Dustin Rhodes, two out of three falls. Uh-huh. Dustin gets DQ'd. 
Austin is up one nothing. Yep. Then Austin gets a pin. It's two nothing. The man that that's over. So there's no like one to one build up. <laughs> it's just two and zero. Oh, he's done. Yeah. Yeah. Rick Rude and the Boss. I thought it'd be. Oh a good yeah, match. Rick Rude. I I liked it. I thought it. Was, I thought it was cool. I, I thought the finish it. just came out of nowhere and was just dumb. I liked uh, and that that's from Starcade '93, right? Yeah. I then that's for the World International Title or something. Yeah, the International WCW Heavyweight Champion. Yeah, it was weird. <laughs> but I love that the big boss man is literally just a big bo- boss man, just, just called the boss. boss right. Where it's black, and there's this kid in the crowd. They're zooming in his face. He's going, Bob. "Big boss man number one, <laughs> boss man number one." I'm like, "Oh, don't right. show that." No, you hear. I hear you hear kids chanting, boss, man, boss, No, it's man. just boss. Remember he was <laughs> and also, it's just so awkward because I, I, maybe Tony Schiavone is on uh, commentary on that one. He's like, oh, the boss outside. That is dumb. <laughs> <laughs> but decent match, but uh, Rick Rude just came in out of nowhere and just got the pin. Mm-hmm. I don't remember if it was a roll-up or whatever it was, but it was stupid. Well, what if the boss became the WWE champ? They couldn't have that, right? No, but at least have a better finish. At least get the Rude Awakening. Yeah, yeah. Either way, I thought it was that's just pure like nostalgia for me because just two WWF guys. Oh, facing for sure, off. yeah, awesome. Uh, let's go over and play the quick sound clip from Sammy here. It's actually a long one, so Sammy, don't feel bad. I cut it down a little bit, and that's only because some of the stuff you were talking about. I want you to come on and do an old school show where we talk about this stuff and you can give context and all that. And Sammy is 47 years old, is what he said. I cut off your intro, so it's going to go right into him talking about some Starcade matches. And you can tell, like, this was stuff he watched during the time. So it's awesome for me to listen to someone like that, and hopefully you guys too, someone who lived it, has the context. Yeah, because we, like how we, we talk about WrestleMania 7 right, and 8. Exactly. Like he, he has that, which we don't. We only have, yeah. you know, to look back at. Uh, so you're going to go ahead here and listen to about a 10-minute clip here, guys, 10-12 minute clip. Listen to him talking about some of his stuff, his favorite Starcade matches. As always, follow him on Twitter at Sammy, S-A-M-M-I-E, Castle, C-A-S-S-E-L-L. Sorry we were calling you Sammy Cassell, but I think we're going to call you Sammy Cassell anyway. It sounds better. But anyway, here's Sammy with his Starcade memories. Roddy Piper, Greg Valentine, uh, doll collar match, um, which uh, is now legendary. Uh, we all, or anybody who's been around for a long time knows the story of, of how Valentine actually hurt Piper's ear in that match, and he lost a, a good percentage of his hearing because of that match. Um, but I, that card was littered from top to bottom with great stuff. Um, you had an Abdullah the Butcher versus Carlos Colon match. That is just crazy. Uh, Abdullah... Uh, was was Andre esque uh, in the fact that he wouldn't stay in the territory long. He was more of a traction than he was anything else. Um, and then Carlos was legendary uh, in Puerto Rico and still is to this day with his with his kids still wrestling. Um, but you also had I it, it, when I went back and watched this, it amazed me at how many big names were on this card. Um, one of the opening matches was Kevin Sullivan and Mark Lewin against Johnny Weaver and a scrub, a McGee kid or something. Um, manage, and Sullivan Lewin imagined by maybe the greatest manager of all time, Gary Hart. Uh, with, with some kudos to Bobby Heenan in there too. Uh, but Gary Hart was amazing. Um, and Sullivan, Sullivan, uh, before he got really super dark and weird but was kind of dabbling in that stuff and mark lewin if y'all don't know purple haze mark lewin go back and check his some of his old stuff out especially his little run in world-class wrestling that dude was creepy uh then you had uh, wahoo mcdaniel <laughs> was in a match against dick slater and cowboy bob orton um i forgot all about that match being on the card not a great match, but Dick Slater is one of my favorite all-time bad guys. Um, dirty Dick Slater. You can't get much better than that. Um, and then maybe the the hidden gem on that card was uh, Jack and Jerry Briscoe against Ricky Steamboat and Jay Youngblood for the World Tag Team titles. Um, uh, back in about 78 or so, I, got, I actually got to meet Jay Youngblood. Um and uh, he was he was one of my favorite guys back in the day. 
along with Ricky Steamboat. Um, but uh, uh, Jay was a really nice guy who unfortunately died way too soon. Um, I would have loved to seen what he would have done later on. His his big uh, big run was always with Ricky as as a tag team, but uh, he probably had a good little singles run in him somewhere if somebody would have backed him. Um, but he was kind of a tag team specialist and uh, was really good at it and multiple time NWA tag team champion. He's 86 with the legendary Night of the Skywalkers with the Road Warriors versus Midnight Express on a scaffold. Um, not a great match, uh, but entertaining. And uh, the, the, the Jim Cornette falling off the scaffold and blowing both his knees out legit. Um, maybe one of the, the really cool angles. Uh, you know, the Road Warriors aren't known for their, their great technique. Um, but they, they were good for what they, for what they were. Um, and that was big muscle men that just bruised through everything. They got, they, they kind of got overshadowed as the guys got bigger. Um, but still it, it was, they, they were good. Uh, and then one of those little forgotten matches that nobody really talks about, um, is, uh, uh, Jim Cornette's Midnight Express, of um, uh, Bob Eaton and Stan Lane um, as good guys uh, who knew Cornette could be a good guy uh, against um, uh, Dennis Condry and Randy Rose uh, and Paulie Dangerously as their manager uh, with the new Midnight Express. Um, <laughs> that it, two, four very, very good wrestlers. Um, wrestling some of the best work they it's it's probably some of the best work that Dennis Condry and and Randy Rose ever did, but uh, 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 Stan Lane, who was a, uh, a Greensboro guy, I don't know if he's originally hit from here, but he lives here now, um, and and uh, Bobby Eaton, who may be one of the great technicians of that time frame. Um, also, well, one year earlier in 85 is the famous Magnum TA Tully Blanchard I Quit match, um, which uh, is about as brutal of a match as they had back in the day. Um, uh, if if you've not, it's not a great match per se, uh, but it's brutal um, uh, to see Magnum uh, with that chair leg just inches from Tully's eye. Um, uh, the, the questionable finish where they actually said I quit or not. Um, that place was electric, uh, with, with how that match went off. And it wasn't even the main event. It was one of the undercard matches or not an undercard, but one of the, the semi mains, um, for the U S championship. I think it was the U S see the U S of television title, maybe the television title. Um, uh, but that, that, that was, that was, that was a match that scared a lot of kids. I, I mean, I was, I was a teenager at the time and I was kind of intimidated by it. Um, uh, on a side note, I actually got to sit in Magnum's Porsche about three weeks before he wrecked it. Uh, they were wrestling at my high school on Saturday night and, uh, the main event, I think was Magnum against Nikita, um, and uh, I, w I had to work that night uh, at, at the local pizza parlor, and I came uh, uh, came by the high school, and they were out sitting out back in the smoking pit, and Magnum took me down, and I actually got to sit in his Porsche, right, right, like I said, about two weeks before he wrecked it, um, so that was pretty cool. Um, and then probably one of my favorite, uh, Starcade deals was the round robin, uh, matches in 89. Um, it was something unique. It was something a little different. Um, the, the singles, um, was pretty good with, with Sting, Luger, Flair, and Muda, uh, Muda being one of the great Japanese wrestlers of all time. Uh, and then of course, Flair, maybe one of the great American 
or probably one of the great American wrestlers of all time. Luger doing doing what Luger does, um, and Steen just being so over at that time. But to me, the real gem of that stuff was the tag team stuff um, with Doom, Road Warriors, the Steiners, uh, and what was supposed to have been the Skyscrapers, which was a team of Danny Spivey and Sid Vicious. Um, but uh, uh, the storyline was Sid Vicious got hurt, and he probably did, and it was probably playing softball. Uh, but they got they were replaced by the new uh, Islander, uh, the new Wild Samoans, uh, which was um, the Samoan Savage, and I don't remember that guy's real name, and Fatu, um, uh, which is part of the famous Anoi family. Um, those matches were really good. Uh, the Steiners upset the road, what was considered an upset at the time, uh, upset the road wars, even the Steiners were the, the world tag team champions. Um, but doom of, uh, that nobody knew at the time, they were managed by Nancy Benoit or Nancy Sullivan, time woman. Uh, they were Ron Simmons and Hacksaw Butch Reed. Um, before they, either one of them, well, Butreve was kind of known on a, on a regional scale, but Ron Simmons, not so much. Uh, they later took off the mask and were, were, um, managed by Teddy Long. Um, but it was a round robin tournament and, and the most point, you got so many points for a win, so many for a draw and so many, uh, and then none for a loss. And, um, it was, it was a good idea. It was a good little, uh, kind of showcase the four best tag teams and the four best singles in uh, in Jim Crockett at the time, and um, uh, some some pretty cool storylines coming out of that. Uh, a couple years later, um, the skyscrapers ran another match, another little tournament like this, um, but Vicious got hurt again, and he got replaced by a very young man named Mark Callens who left not too many years after that and went to WWE and became maybe the greatest character of all time, The Undertaker. Um, so there's all sorts of little, uh, little side, side stories in this stuff. Um, but maybe my favorite, uh, unknown match of all the Char of all the Starcade matches, um, is Ric Flair and Ron Garvin, uh, in 87 with Chi-Town Heat, uh, uh, how the hell Ronnie Garvin got over so big is kind of is kind of beyond me and kind of funny. Uh, but that dude at the time when he was being hands of stone, Ronnie Garvin was over over. Um, and to to this ma this build up in this match with Flair was was well beyond what we thought he could do, um, and it ended up being a really good match. Of course, Flair could carry just about anybody to a good match. Um, so he got a lot of help, but uh, that was that was a really good, really underrated match. Um, there's, there's some others. There, there's a Tully Ricky Steamboat match, I think, in '84, um, which wasn't necessarily the best card, but that match is really amazing. Um, and then uh, later on, we get into. To some of the lethal lottery stuff, which was okay, but kind of hokey. Um, but go check out some of these, some of this older stuff. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, I guess somebody posted on the Twitter talking about um, uh, 84, 85 when Gordon Sully is just drunk as a skunk. Um, but that being said, uh, if you don't know Bob Caldwell, uh, who who did the first couple with uh, Jim Crocker, first couple of Starcades with Jim Crocker Promotions. Uh, go check out his work. Um, he's one of the underrated announcers of all time. He was really good, uh, especially in this area. Um, and I'm 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 about right now I'm about 20 minutes, 25 minutes from the Greensboro Coliseum, um, where they've just announced that they're bringing Starcade back. Uh, this Thanksgiving, which was always a Thanksgiving tradition around here. Um, I, I wish I could go. I think we're going to Florida for Thanksgiving uh, to my in-laws and my youngest daughter is down there working for FEMA. 
Um, so it doesn't look like I'm going to get to go, but uh, I wish I could. I've got some friends who uh, spent many years in Greensboro Coliseum. They they dressed like the horsemen. They wore fedoras and the shades, and I always rooted for the bad guys. And uh, those guys were over as, as much as some of the wrestlers were. Um, so, uh, shout out to John Hitchcock and Bruce Mitchell with Pro Wrestling Torch, um, uh, Dan Grandi, um, uh, and some of the crew from, from Front Row Section D. Uh, they always seem to find their way on the front row at the Greensboro Coliseum and, and all the wrestlers knew them and, and knew what they were there for and knew they were, if they were good guys, they were going to get booed and they were bad guys that were going to get cheered, so. Uh, thanks guys for having me on and talk a little bit about a little history of Starcade, uh, a little my wrestling history. Um, right now, I think I told the guys I'm my two favorite wrestlers right now are both in Ring of Honor. Um, I love Dalton Castle. I love that gimmick. Um, it's smart. It's updated. Um, it's a new version. You know, every so many years, they, they, Gorgeous George started it, uh, all the way up to Adrian Adonis and then Adrian Street. And, uh, you always get kind of that ambiguous, um, character. Uh, but Dalton's kind of a throwback, uh, with all the suplexes and the fact he lives that gimmick a lot. Uh, and then I'm a big fan of the villain. Um, I hate he joined the Bullet Club. I thought it would have been really good without him. Um, but that character, that entrance is amazing. Uh, and a good entrance can can make, uh, can really shoot a wrestler up to the top. So um, thanks guys for having me on. I hope you can use, you said five minutes and I've used 21. <laughs> So uh, I hope you enjoy us. Uh, uh, I enjoy listening to the podcast. Um, and uh, I hope this helps out some of the younger folks and uh, get a little bit of Starcade history about them. Um, we, y'all give me a crap about being the old man out of the bunch, but that all that stuff and all the roots and uh, all the stuff before WWE is what laid the groundwork for what it is now. So thanks, guys. Hope you enjoy it. Talk to you later. Thanks, Sevy, for, for playing that for us. Uh, and thanks for talking about your Starcade memories. Again, guys, follow him on Twitter at Sammy Cassell. And sorry, it's Sammy Castle, but again, we're calling him Sammy Cassell. And you can uh, let him know what you thought, interact with him. I'm sure he would love to tweet back with you and talk with you about some of the old school Starcade stuff. Part of me wishes I was older so that I could enjoy the stuff like he did. Yeah, but you enjoy the stuff that. You did. You know? I know, but just going back and watching, I'm like, oh, that must have been fun. Like, I want to be as crazy as those fans were. <laughs> right, right. And I don't know if that'll... I think the last time fans were as crazy as that was Daniel Bryan stuff. Yeah. Or when Seth Rollins does cash in. It happens, but right. it's not as, like, often as it seems. Like, every match was that. Now fans are a little bit jaded. Yeah. We've crossed over now, if we're going to start in, like, 94. I was watching the 94 Starcade, and that's when Hogan's first Starcade. Made events against the Butcher, a.k.a. Brutus the Barber Beefcake, a.k.a. the Booty Man, a.k.a. Ed Leslie, a.k.a. I, I read the it was Disciple. terrible, so I just skipped it. <laughs> it's unbelievable that Starcade went from Ric Flair versus Harley Race to Hulk Hogan versus Brutus the Barber Beefcake, essentially, in the main event. That was one of the first ones I Did remember. Did he have his face covered up in that one? No, that was when he was the Zodiac. This the is when Booty Man? The Butcher is when he is here. <laughs> okay. And then he was the Booty Man. I think he was the Booty Man before the Butcher. Could be wrong. But he was—he looked like the Barber as the Butcher. Yes, okay. exactly. So the Barber, the Butcher, butchers your hair. I don't know. Either way, this has got to be tough for some of the WCW guys. And this is where even, like, the lighting turns to, like, brighter. And uh -huh. the, it's more of a WWE feel type of show. And... One thing I want to talk about, too, is this is something I love. This is 90s WCW, early 90s, was I love the stage ramp to the ring where it was equal with the, ramp, with the ring. Like the, the height of the yeah. ramp was you basically walk right into the ring. There was no drop-up. Yeah. I like that a lot. I don't know if that will bring You know who back. else really liked it? Who? Hogan. <laughs> oh, really? Because when he was in TNA, he made him do that. With oh, really? <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. So whatever era in 2007, 2008, Hogan, Bischoff, and TNA, mm -hmm. the, you'll see that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but there's not much to talk about there. There's not much to talk about 94, 95 Starcades. 95 Starcades interesting because there's no Hogan on it. I don't know if that was 
him contractual dates they would have to pay him more or what but the main event of that ended up being randy savage versus rick flair for the wcw title rick flair ended up winning the title and gets super bloody in that match by the way it's worth it just see rick flair's blonde hair covered in blood mm-hmm. if you're interested in something like that and then he eventually that eventually turns into him rick flair that is ends up losing the wcw title somewhere i forget the exact timeline of it but that is a little bit before we go into 96 and of course you have the nwo thing that starts in the summer of 96 which is obviously biggest storyline wcw's ever had as far as money making stuff the biggest star kid like i said i can remember was 96 for me and that was hulk hogan versus piper i remember when piper came back and how big of a deal it felt like and I love the promo he cut because he eventually first came back at Halloween Havoc against Hogan after Hogan won the title, I think, over the Giant, and said, I'm the only guy you've never never been able to beat. And I was like thinking to myself as a kid, I'm like, mm, is that true? I'm like, oh, wait, Hogan never did beat him. Right. And he really didn't. And then he doesn't beat him here in this match. It's crazy because Piper is basically resting on one leg. He has a repaired hip. Mm-hmm. He does a hopping around a few times. The crowd goes apeshit for him when he wins. But it wasn't for the title, which was so confusing to me. He won, but it wasn't for the title, right? And it was just weird. Yeah. The best part of this match, as we talked about, is the... Was it just a grudge match then? Yeah. Okay. Is the fan that runs in the ring and gets his ass kicked. So if you guys haven't seen it, check it out. If you you just skip to the finish of the match, just fast or rewind about a couple minutes before that, a fan basically hops the rail, hard side cameras, you can see him, (laughs) tries to hit Ted DiBiase, who's a manager on the outside... Runs in the ring, and Hulk Hogan kicks him right in the stomach. Right in the ribs. Like, hard. <laughs> yeah. And then Randy Anderson, the referee, jumps on him and starts, like, pounding him. I mean, like, he looks like a UFC fighter. Yep. <laughs> Beats the hell out of this poor guy. And they pull him out of the ring. His face looks like, oh, man, this guy's hammered. So he was probably yeah. one of the old school guys at the old Starcades, jumping up and down. <laughs> this is bullshit. Not going to beat my guy. Yeah, he jumps in there probably. after him. So this was Piper's first Starcade appearance in a few years because he was at the first Starcade. Now he's at '96 in the main event of it. Did you watch this match? The I did. Hogan one. What do you yeah. think of it? I, I was watching it and it's a little slow, but it builds to. No, the I, end. I like them when they're kind of slow, especially I don't know, like the older guys. I think kind of get how to pace a match, so I thought it was kind of cool. When Piper's music hit, I got goosebumps. Yep. Now. Back then, I just thought all the old guys who went from W, all the guys who went from WWF to WCW, were just old and washed up. So that's why I didn't really watch too much WCW in ninety five, ninety six, yeah, ninety four. So that kind of stuff. But watching it now, I'm like, this is so awesome. Like Piper looks good. Like everybody just looks younger. Obviously, mm-hmm. <laughs> I just thought it was so good. It was epic. Yeah, Piper wins with a sleeper hold, clean in the middle. Like yeah. sleeper hold. I was surprised. I'm yeah. Like, oh my god, Piper you, won. Yep, yeah. one, two, three. Well, well, three arm drops in the middle. Yeah, you never see that. Uh, and then we've got Starcade '97 with the biggest build ever for a wrestling match. I'd say for WCW at least, Sting versus Hogan for the title. Mm-hmm. You know the storyline of Sting going from the bright surfer, huge colors into the crow gimmick where. WCW accused him of turning his back on them and joining the NWO. Ended up being a fake sting, and he was up just up in the rafters for a year, right. just watching him. Eventually, every once in a while, he would rappel down and beat up the NWO and leave. Mm-hmm. And then there'd be the fake sting that was in WC in the NWO, and all that stuff too. Is just an incredible build, and the match is just like, Ugh. oh, there was something I was going to say. I'm sorry if we go back. Sure, to go ahead, Roddy Piper. I think it was Bobby Heenan or whoever else was on commentary. Dusty Rhodes, I think, was on commentary yep. on that one. They were talking about how all the end of, not well, not all, but most of the people wearing NWO shirts were chanting Roddy. Yeah. I'm like, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool shirt, but he's a badass. Right, Roddy's better. So, 97. Uh, yeah, and this match, I'm going to play this. It's, it's going to be a little, you know, crude because it's going to come on my phone. But this is the entrance of Sting from Star K97. It's also an ad. Thanks, YouTube. Hold on a second here. There we go. There was some sort of intro. I forgot what the words were. It was something about out of the darkness into yeah, the light. Yeah, this is it. This I, had, I had a Sting shirt, and oh, yeah. I had that, like, that little thing on the back. Mm-hmm. And I still would like to find that shirt somewhere. So if anybody's eBay. got a Sting shirt with the... No, I can't find it. <laughs> if anybody's got it with a cool quote on the back, let me know. All right. We'll let you know. At PPW Podcast, let us know. But here it is. Here's the Sting intro. If you guys if you haven't seen it, it's worth checking out just to see this intro to the match of Sting vs. Hogan 97. Here's just the audio clip of it. 
eyes, and a dark shadow falls over his soul. From the ashes of a once great man, as he declares, a wrong that must be righted. He looked to the skies for a vindicator, someone to strike fear into the black hearts of the same man who created him. The battle between good and evil has begun. Against an army of shadows comes a dark warrior. The purveyor of good with a voice of silence and a mission of justice. This is Sting. That, this is Sting, the little kid voices, and he's talking about the army of shadows, and it's just, it's epic. And then they go and fuck it up by having this ridiculous match. I thought the match was, what is it, maybe 20 minutes? Yeah. I thought it was good, maybe the first 15 of it. Then it just starts to go downhill. Yeah, so the, if you haven't seen it by now, go watch it. The ending of this match is, was supposed to be this. It was supposed to be Nick Patrick does a fast count on Hogan pinning Sting. Bret Hart comes out because Bret Hart had just come to WCW after being screwed by... Mm-hmm. Earl Hebner at Montreal in the Survivor Series says, I'm not going to let this happen again. And because he was a referee early in the night, he was a licensed referee for the night, and he's going to start the match over. Yeah. Sting was going to win. What ended up happening, Hogan pinned Sting. It's a normal count, like not even close to being fast. The crowd's like, wait, what? And then Barrett's like, no, no, that was a fast count. I'm not letting this happen again. And they go with it, you know, anyway. And as a fan, I'm like, what the hell's going on? And I remember there was even a, a PWI, Pro Wrestling Illustrated uh-huh. Magazine, with Hogan on the cover, like with his hands in, hands in his head, and Sting behind him with the belt, and says, we hate to say it, but give the belt back to Hogan. <laughs> it was like, you know, that wasn't a fast count. They yeah. did a thing where they even timed Patrick's counts compared to the other night, compared to this. Said, this was actually slower than you did yeah. earlier in the night and all that. No one has ever come clean on what happened and why he messed up the count. Yeah. Bischoff said in his book that... Uh, Rainey Anderson just screwed up. He just he just screwed up. I'm not Rainey Anderson. Nick Patrick. Nick Patrick just screwed up. Rainey Anderson's the guy that beat the hell out of the guy in Starcade 96. Hogan says that, no, I don't know what happened. Patrick says, oh, no, I just, I thought it was, that, that was my fast count, you know, whatever. My theory is this. In, Nick, in, in Eric Bischoff's book, he talks about how Hogan's pissed off that Sting was out of shape. And he's made a comment like, Duke came and get a tan before this match, and he he is pretty pale. I noticed that. Sting didn't look out of shape to me. He's a little. He's not as lean as he I could mean, he's be. Covered up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Hogan's pissed about that. He's pissed. He's not in shape. Pissed. He doesn't have a tan. Hogan's thinking to himself, "Oh, brother, I'm gonna look bad against this guy. It's out of shape, dude. Hey, hey, Patrick, come here, dude. Just just make it. Just make it a, a normal count." Uh, I think Hogan got to Nick Patrick, and Nick Patrick listened to Hogan. What's interesting about all this is despite the screwy finish, when Sting wins by the Scorpion Death Light, the crowd still goes apeshit for him. Uh, I still love it. Yeah. Uh, so either way, I guess they came out on top, and it was a huge gate. It was a huge pay-per-view buy for WCW. Biggest one they ever did. But still, it's just kind of like, ah, oh, this match should have been just Sting beating the hell out of him. Yeah. It's still I told you worth earlier. watching to go back and watch for anyone that wants to watch. It's still worth it. But... Oh, yeah, it's, it's still a good match. But it... I told you earlier, it doesn't hold up the way I remembered it. Mm-hmm. And I also remember thinking... I forgot about the fast count part, like what Bret Hart said. I thought Bret Hart stopped the match or restarted the match because Hogan grabbed the tights. So as I'm watching it again, I'm looking for the grab tights. Bret comes out, he says fast count. I'm like, wait, that's not how I remember it. <laughs> you thought it was a tight grab? Yeah, and I thought it was a really shitty tight tight grab. <laughs> you thought Hogan screwed it up and not, yeah. not the ref? Just the, I don't know, just everything just looked like crap on that part. Yeah, and then the next Starcade after that was '98, where Nash beat Goldberg for the Goldberg Taser with the streak ending. And I rewatched that match because I remember thinking in my head, because I haven't seen it in years, mm-hmm. thinking it must have been a garbage match, and people must have been pissed Goldberg lost. When Nash won, place went nuts. So Nash was crazy over with the crowd, and people yeah, he shit on him and all that, but. I always love hearing in shit interviews and like Scott Hall and Nash and Nash is like, look, it's time for him to be beat. It's like people are saying Goldberg sucks. I don't hear anybody saying Austin sucks. Fuck it. It's got to win. <laughs> One of the matches I liked from 97 was Goldberg versus McMichael. Like the Mongo? Whole t- yeah. The whole time I'm watching, I'm like, okay, this is a way better match than... Than it has any right to be. <laughs> ...than Goldberg and Lesnar. I'm like, these two guys, I mean, they're both former football players. Uh-huh. They're both going at it back and forth. It's not a quick match. 
Um, I'm looking at the time. It's almost six minutes. So, I mean, that's five minutes longer than any Goldberg match. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty decent. All right. Okay. I mean, I'll have to go back and watch yeah, it. Yeah, that's the only other highlight I had from it. That's your hidden gem. Yeah. <laughs> um, I didn't even bother going with the 99 or 2000 Starcades because those, to me, are just like, blah. The 2000 was the last Starcade, and 97 was their last two raw, and I don't know what happened, but it was just it, it got screwed up, and mm-hmm. and they didn't make new stars, and the rest is history with WCW. But I kind of felt like the Sting defeat on Hogan would have been a proper ending to NWO. Yep. But they kept going. Right. And, and they going. screwed it up. And going. <laughs> and they got Wolfpack and Hollywood. And the and Black and Silver and the Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. It got ridiculous there in WCW. And this was around the time. 97 WCW was so popular and mm-hmm. so crazy. But WWF was putting on such better TV. And I knew it when I was a kid. And, I, and going back now, it's clear. Yeah. WWF was the better show. I switched it back to WWF around 98. Mm-hmm. I, I stuck with him in 97. Like, I would argue with my friends, like, Austin is freaking amazing. Shawn Michaels is the best. Uh-huh. Bret Hart's the great wrestler, but I hate him. And, you know, they had Psycho Sid and The Undertaker. And all this crazy stuff was happening. And it was all building. And, like, I knew it. Like, you know, junior high me knew it, but, like, none of my friends were convinced. <laughs> so, like, hey, how about this guy, Goldberg? I'm like, Goldberg sucks. He's a rip off of Austin. Like, all that guy was just so, I like, felt that way, too. I was so, like, you know, into it, like, defending my turf as a WWF fan. Right. And it was just crazy to me that I was right, you know, because I also thought 95 WWF was off when I was a kid, too, <laughs> which it wasn't. So, um, <laughs> but I, going back, I was right then. You, you stuck know? to your guns. I did. I definitely did. I did have a lot of fun You're going smoking back. smoking guns. Is that, is that a good now? Yes, it was because Sunny with the smoking guns was like my my childhood crush times a thousand when she wore like the cowboy hat and the Daisy oh, Dukes yeah, and the vest for sure. Giddy up, right? Yeah, and uh, LOD two thousand Sunny. Oh yeah, with the flame bra mm-hmm. and good old Sunny. She, I was always a Sunny guy over a Sable guy. Me too. Good. Don't tell Brock that though. I'll never talk to Brock. <laughs> He's like, I don't fucking care. <laughs> tell him. But I agree. <laughs> well, not not current day, Sonny. Not current day, Sable. You never know. I've seen current day Sable. She yeah. was in like the Octagon a few times. Oh, was she? She still, she still, she looks like Sable still. It's crazy. Oh, okay. So good for her. Uh, I had fun going back and watching these Starcade shows and like trying to put myself in that time yeah. frame. I wish I had another day or two so I can keep watching. Nothing stopping you. <laughs> no, I'm just saying to, to have to more, talk, yeah. more stuff to talk about, but I think we had a lot to talk about. We did. We're also about an hour here for the show, or a little over an hour. Uh, thanks, guys, for listening. Thank you to Sammy for sending his audio question in. And, guys, please send in more audio questions and more audio comments. I like it a lot. It's fun when you guys interact with the show. ppwpodcast at gmail.com, or shoot me a note on Twitter at ppwpodcast uh, for any comments or feedback or any wrestling talk you want to talk about in general. Um, it's a lot of fun interacting with the handful of people we have on Twitter. And we're almost, we're just under 500 followers. If I get to 500 followers, Party I'll, give, time. I'll give something out. I'll give out a, a, a prize. So retweet us, get all your friends to follow us. If we get to 500 followers, we will give out a prize. And I'll figure out what that is at some point. As for other podcasts, check out, as always, check out the Fully Posable podcast at Fully Posable. Check out the Man Cave podcast at Man Cave podcast. Uh, Ringside podcast, Greetings from Allentown. Uh, I think Mark and his buddy started the Amp Nation podcast back up, so check those guys out. They have sports stuff. And, yeah, that's all I have for this week. Any other random stuff you want to talk about, wrestling figure news or anything like that? You, you're a Funko Pop collector and a Yeah, I just noticed that. that there's a Funko Headquarter 500 Limit Limited Edition Zack Ryder exclusive only given out in uh, Washington. Well, how much do you think those are going to go for uh, on the secondary market? Um... I would say starting at least eighty bucks. Damn, eighty to two hundred. Too much for your too rich for your blood. Yeah, I'm not that interested. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, I think it's the um, the hype bros outfit. Okay, or color color. But scheme. isn't the other one a, like a comic a con exclusive that's coming out? It's a New York Comic Con. It's a shared. So I think it's a shared. So it should be. It, it might be the GameStop. It might be the Box Lunch. I'm just not sure which store is going to carry it. Okay. So but those are usually like five thousand. So they got enough to go around. So you'll get that one. And that's his yeah. WrestleMania outfit gear. Yeah. Yeah, and then also they had the Ringside Collectibles announced the Charlotte Flair Elite with the robe. He sure WrestleMania 32. Eric wasn't a big fan of her face <laughs> on the figure. I thought it looked okay. I just have to look at it better. Yeah. When I was looking at it, I'm like, oh, I hope it comes with the uh, the women's title. It's it the Divas, but they don't come oh, with the Divas. It doesn't come with either? 
No. Oh, you got to come with that. I think it's just the robe. Okay, yes. Yeah. The Sasha Banks Walgreens exclusive comes with the Raw Women's title. The next Walgreens exclusive is going to be Becky Lynch, so hopefully yeah. that comes with the SmackDown title. I hope so. Pick that one up. Um, I, there was some news on Twitter that broke. If you have a Marshalls or a TJ Maxx near you guys, check them out because they may have some elites for like seven bucks or seven or eight bucks. I picked up a Scott Hall elite. Seven bucks, you can't beat that. They also had a Roman Reigns, and I missed that one, but I've also seen reports of Sami Zayn, AJ Styles, the Berserker, and Tugboat out there. So that's cool. Keep your eyes out for those. I remember uh, Big Lots used to do that. They were like $10. Yeah, Big Lots still has them for 10 I The Big Lots by my work only had basics for 10 I was like, okay. that's how much they are everywhere, so I'm not going to worry about it. Okay. Uh, but yeah, check, those, check out those figure. TJ Maxx and Marshalls? Yep. Check them out, and uh, you got to kind of dig because their toy sections are kind of a, a mess. But the, if you're a box collector, like if you need a mint on card, it's not for you. But if you're loose, go for it. Yeah, I don't really care about box or anything. Although what's funny is I've noticed this phenomenon lately of everyone returning crappy figures <laughs> in elite boxes. Yeah, is that like a new thing, or has that always been going on? I just started to notice. It's it. always been going on. Really? So I pe- think I told you two years ago, or maybe a year ago, I was at the. It's a, a different Walmart store, about 30 minutes away from here. And then it was like paper uh, titles with like a um, a basic figure uh-huh. instead of the elite. So they would, I think it was, um, who was the one that had the, oh, not Yokozuna. There was another guy that came, no, it was Yokozuna. It came with the tag team title. Okay. It was a paper title. Like whoever took the titles out and then returned it and had some sort of you know, crazy. HBK in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they also have like the T.J. Perkins new network at Toys R Us comes with a Cruiserweight title. And I was there. I'm like, I'm not going to get this, but I wanted to see it. Mm-hmm. They had six of them there. Four of them had the titles missing out of the box. That sucks. <laughs> like they just pop it open, steal the little belts. Yeah. Someone posted a picture. It was a Typhoon box with a basic Bray Wyatt in it. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, Typhoon must have changed since I last saw him. <laughs> Still trying to find the Retro Series 2s out there at Walmart. I've not found them yet. They're out there, but I haven't seen them anywhere. Yeah. Oh, well. At some point, I'll get it. I just want the Austin and the Rock. It's the only two I want. Next, The next Retro Series are not going to be Walmart exclusives. So that'll be a little bit better for us to, well, to find them out there. Maybe Target or Toys R Us will have them. Yeah, the Turtle ones, the Turtle uh, WWE yep. Ninja Superstars. I noticed that there's more. Yeah, at, uh, like Toys R Us and Target, rather mm-hmm. than just Wal- just Walmart. Yeah, the toy those aren't that hard to find this time around. No. Last time it seemed like they were a little bit harder, but now yeah. they're pretty much everywhere. Because they were only at Walgreens or Walmart. Okay. Yeah, guys, uh, follow us on Twitter at PPW Podcast. Any show suggestions or comments, let us know. Uh, thanks for listening. We will see you next week.